Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. to learn more about me, 
the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q show number 544 starts right after a word from my official sponsor, The Crystal Show, and my secondary sponsor, MyHebrewRoots.net. From a pimp's perspective, featuring Eminem, make sure you're tuning in live exclusively on The Crystal Show. What up, Chris? What up, Radio World? It's your boy, Eminem, a.k.a. My Mind. Yeah, money maker, the whole breaker. Yeah, mister, she get laid, I get paid, motherfucker. You know, I'm the face that's never sad. Sweetie, I'm the dad you never hate. When times are rough and things are tough, sugar don't think too hard. There's always mother maker's credit card. So sit back and listen to my directive as I give you this real shit from a pimp's perspective. Mm, give it to me, daddy. Hey, baby, it's nice to see you chilling for a change. You all laid back watching some TV, huh? What you eating? Her Honey from MyHebrewRoots.net. Her Honey? Looks like you enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for you to get home. Baby, you ate almost half the freaking jar. Baby, wait, wait, what you doing? Oh, baby, dang. Her Honey, from HebrewRoots.net. All right, my thanks to TheCrystalShow.com and MyHebrewRoots.net for being sponsors of tonight's Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. 347-202-0215 is the number if you want to join the mix. Um, Tonight we are discussing um, textation ships, and we'll get into a little discussion on something that's going on in the Texas school system. But I want to talk about last night. Uh, For those who may have missed last night's show, I would suggest that you go back and take a listen. Even if you don't want, don't be intimidated by the three-hour duration of the show because the entire show wasn't about this one topic. Um, This one topic, though, did, however, last for about an hour and 45 minutes. But in all honesty, if you just start at the 23-minute mark, and give it about three or four minutes, you will pretty much understand the gist of the show. Um, Last night's show was about, uh, well, the name of the show was Women Aren't Sweet, Men Aren't Protectors. And it talked about how 
things have changed over the past 50 years, I don't know, um, where women were once looked upon as being these sweet, um, nurturing people, and men were looked at as the type of guys who would protect women. And that didn't necessarily mean just physically. That meant, you know, you didn't allow a woman's name to be disrespected. Um, you didn't, you know, take him through the mud, so to speak. And so the way things ended up last night, there were about probably six guys on the line and maybe, well, it wasn't maybe, six guys on the line and, and just one woman. And so last night, the discussion was really one-sided. Even the questions that were asked um, regarding how men can improve upon themselves uh, and other accountability questions, they all turned out to be the woman's fault. Okay, no matter what we ask as far as what men can do to improve, it was the woman's fault. And it was a very volatile show. Emotions ran high, a lot of passion behind it. Emotions ran high. Um, you know, we have one of my favorite Canadian callers, Stanley, called in. He was passionate about what he was saying. Um, other Q called in from Cali. Um, of course, he always has a lot of interesting perspectives. And then um, you had the usual suspects and show legends, Ray and Buck and Eminem. Um, my man, Daddy Rich, chimed in from Nashville. Excuse me, from um, Chattanooga or somewhere in Tennessee. I can't remember where he's from. And so everyone had their perspective as far as what men need to do to be better protectors and what women need to do to be sweet. And the answer to both questions was that women need to just be sweet and everything else will fall into place. And so there was a lot of back and forth last night because I didn't agree with with everything the guys were saying, even though there was a hint of truth to a lot of things they said and some things were just dead on correct. Um, it was too much of a blanket that they use to stereotype the women, okay? Um, they were essentially, when you listen to the show, it's almost like they were essentially saying all women have this problem, and that's why all men have decided that, you know what, we're no longer going to be protectors. Um, a lot of people said it was because of the feminist movement. Uh, once women decided that they wanted to be equal, the men decided that they no longer wanted to, uh, you know, be be the role of being protectors or being in the dominant role. And that's where I kind of differ from the guys. Now, I'm um, old school, and I've mentioned that countless times um, on the show and everywhere else you follow me on my blog at thankq.me. And so I believe that a man is supposed to be a leader, okay? You're supposed to be head of the household. It doesn't mean that you don't make decisions together with the woman. It just means that you're supposed to be looked at as the head of the household. Um, the best way to put it, someone told me that the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. So, you know, however you want to look at it. But um, as a man and as a leader, I think it's up to you to do whatever it takes 
to ensure the right thing is being done. Okay. I was always taught that the way you know you're doing the right thing is when you're doing it and you know that no one's looking at you. Okay. So the right thing, in my opinion, is for men to be protectors of women. Now, that is to a certain extent. Okay. We don't live back in the 50s anymore where if a woman says something and a guy came to her defense, he had to worry about his life being taken like you do in 2015. You best believe if you get into someone else's business these days, that's a quick way for you to get shot at. And I'm not suggesting that by any means. I think you have to be sensible. However, I think as men, you don't have to, you should not perpetuate foolishness when you encounter it. Okay? You know, you should not um, take a look at a world star hip-hop video of a man punching a woman in the face and then, you know, making comments on about how he did her job or, or something of that nature. And, I, I mean, I've seen some videos where people say, oh, well, she had it coming and she deserved it and all this stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't. I'm the type of person who don't believe in putting my – I wouldn't put my hands on a woman unless she's, like, attacking me as far as, like, trying to seriously hurt me with a weapon or something. You know, if that's the case, then you do what you got to do, knock her out. But, I mean, if if it's a situation that a lot of these guys uh, claim to encounter where some 115-pound woman runs up on them and this 260-pound man acts like he's defenseless, I mean, nobody's buying that. All right. So, I think that as a man, you don't wait for a woman to change her behavior before you decide to change yours, okay? Because to do that, to wait on someone else in order to adjust yourself means that you're a follower, okay? That means that someone else is dictating your direction, okay? Now, me, I, I don't follow. I've always been a leader. I've always done things differently my entire life. And, you know, sometimes I got criticized for it. You know, I was... One of those kids who never had a pair of Jordans at any time, you know, when I was growing up. Matter of fact, even as an adult, I've never owned a pair of Jordans um, because they weren't important to me. I felt like I can buy something a lot more reasonable, you know, because I could buy a pair of $70 Nikes and they look pretty good. And I can put the other 100 bucks in my pocket and do something else with. That's just how I thought. And because of that, I was always different. I always did things my way. You know, and over time, people who got to know me, my friends, they understood that and they respected that about me. And I'm still the same way now. I am not going to allow myself to try to determine what type of person I'm going to be based on what someone else is. So if I choose to do, you know, things a certain way, then it's simply because that's just the route that I feel like I need to take. You know, so I just think that overall, if you haven't gotten the opportunity to listen to the show, it was a very, the show, when I first, you know, came up with it, I knew it was going to be volatile and people have a difference of opinions. I had no idea it would be as passionate as it was. And there were a lot of good things said in the show. If you listen really closely and, you know, if you get past some of the emotion behind it, then you will hear some good points being made. 
And even if you don't agree with what's being said, you still need to listen because this is what's going on in our society. This is what people think about the state of relationships, all right? So in order for us to try to come to the meeting of a, of the mind, so to speak, as far as what's going on in this country uh, between men and women, we have to understand where the other one is coming from. So for those who listen today, I got a lot of comments on Facebook um, for some ladies, and there were some ladies who listened. And I put something out on Facebook because I was very disappointed that, um, you know, there was only one female participant. Um, now I put that out on Facebook, and I voiced my opinion about it, you know, because this is an opportunity for you to call in and make yourself known that to speak your mind about something very important, and you chose not to do it, you know. And so this morning when people started listening to the show and I started getting inbox messages and posting on my Facebook wall talking about how angry they were, then, you know, I was like, well, okay, well, call in next time. You know, I understand that you're angry. I understand there's some things you heard you didn't like, but you had the opportunity to call in and speak your mind because that's what we do here on the Talk to Q radio show. We don't always agree, you know, um, but and, and we don't always uh, and I, I don't necessarily. Um, well, I take that back. I do try to fact check what I say. But as far as a lot of the things that we all say here on the show, a lot of it's opinionated. And that's why the tagline of the show is. No experts, just opinions. We bring our opinions to the table. We throw it out there, and you can do with it what you want. You can take it. You can use it. You can disagree with it and throw it away. It's totally up to you, but this is the arena for you to say it. So I want to encourage all my lady listeners out there, when you see a show like that, you need to call in and participate. You need to let yourself be known, and your opinion be heard so we can have a real good dialogue and maybe actually get something out of it rather than just hearing from one side. Because as much as all the guys may hear what the guys have to say, in order for us to move forward, we got to know what the women are thinking and what they have to say. And it has to be someone other than Crystal, who always calls in like a soldier and stands up to whatever guys may be on the line. So keep that in mind. Again, ladies, go back and listen to yesterday's show. Women aren't sweet. Men are protectors. And just take a listen. Like I said, especially if you just want to go from like the 20-minute mark to the 30-minute mark. And just those 10 minutes alone, you can really gain some perspective on where the guys are coming from. Because we have a problem in this country when it comes to men and women in relationships, especially with black men and black women. And until we come together to address it, then um, it's never going to get resolved. All right. So I wanted to throw that out there before starting the show tonight about textationships, you know, and there's some people who, you know, really get into this. And I wonder, you know, can you truly get to know someone via text? Uh, this is the future of dating. You know, probably in five years, um, a date will consist of just being on, on the couch in yoga pants and tweeting to your significant other who's in another house about a TV show. And things have changed a lot since the 90s, which is the last time I remember dating was normal, in my opinion. Um, 
I remember when you would meet a lady, get her phone number, and actually call her to get to know her, and you get out, you went out on a date, you know, and that was it. That was the norm. But, you know, things are outdated now. Today, people text, text, and text some more, and voice conversations and actual meetings don't always happen that quickly, if they happen at all. So how do we adapt to the ever-changing world of communicating? Okay, so that's what we'll get into tonight on the Talk to Cubes radio show. No experts, just opinions. To the phones I go, to the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey. I bring on the show enforcer, the show legend, my man Ray. Ray, what's going on? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing tonight, you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate your patience and holding on. Just have to try to, uh, you know, trying to prop up, get promote last night's show, man, to get people to pay attention because there are a lot of people who got in this morning on the podcast and had a lot to say. And you know, I'm trying to encourage them that you know these things need to be said on the air where folks yeah, can actually I'm, dialogue I'm, about sure. it. You know, like like you saying, man. You know. People need to call up and voice their opinion, and, you know, I don't think it needs to be about anger and trying to be right. I think it's about promoting the facts, and you have to go on what the facts are, not what what was said or how angry you are, you know, feeling like the man had the last word because you couldn't say nothing on the air. All you got to do is call up and chime in, say what you want. Yep. And they'll get equal times like everyone else. So, all right, we'll go ahead and kick things off. Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on the Talk to Q Radio show. Uh, and just your personal um, opinion, Ray, I'm, or your personal feeling. Do you like texting? I mean, as far as just texting on the phone, something you enjoy doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy doing it because see, a lot of times. You have some other things going on, and you can't really talk conversation-wise as far as, you know, speaking to somebody on the phone, but you may be watching TV or you may be working or you might be at a restaurant. Sometimes you can carry on two or three conversations at one time without actually talking to the person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it does have have advantages. Do you think that it dumbs down communication skills? And maybe not necessarily with you because you kind of came up without texting and learned how to communicate. But for those who are growing up in the age of texting and instant messaging, does it dumb down their skills because of all the acronyms and stuff they use? Um, maybe to a certain extent. I mean, it's going to be weird for people of our generation because, you know, we we come from something different. Just like when, when I hear of some school kids now not learning how to write. I'm saying, how can you go around and not know how to actually write? But it's not really necessary. When you think about it, outside of signing your name and a couple other things, you really don't necessarily have to write unless you have ideas or something you want to put down, but you can do all that for by typing it in your phone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, it can, but the world that we live in now, that's how people communicate. Like a lot of people say, oh, I want to talk to somebody. I pick the phone up and I call them. 
if you have something important to talk about or if you have something that you need to hear somebody's voice, of course, you don't necessarily need to text. You should call a person face uh, uh, and have a conversation with them. So I can understand both points to it, but I don't see nothing wrong if a person wants to text, but I don't feel like you should text all the time, only when it's necessary. Okay. And, um, and yeah, and some people do it all the time, you know. I, I mean, so you still prefer to speak to people on the phone, or would you prefer to text, or is it just you know, situational for you? Yes, yeah, it's, it's situational. I mean, depends on what's happening. I mean, what if it comes to like or someone you're trying to you're trying to go out with, someone you're trying to date? Um, uh, I don't I don't see nothing wrong with texting. I think texting is a much smoother icebreaker than actually calling somebody on the phone. I mean, old school, we had it difficult. You actually had to call the girl up and. Hopefully she was easy to talk to where she can carry half the conversation or seventy five percent and you can do a follow up to whatever she's saying. But if she's not very talkative, you know, you just kinda got stuck in some points of the conversation. But nowadays it's about texting, even if a person is shy and, you know, doesn't like to do a lot of talking they don't have trouble opening up if they send in text messages out, and I think that can be a good icebreaker for people. Okay, okay. Um, on Facebook, Robin, one of the um, one half of the cocktails and conversations diva chimed in, and she said that she prefers to talk on the phone, but when kids are around, it's easier to text. So that's a good point when you have to deal with kids, and. Um, I'm the type of person, Ray, if I had a choice, I'd rather talk. But, yeah, there are some situations where um, texting can work out. The only problem I hate with texting someone, like, you're kind of new to is that you don't know when they're kidding. You don't know when they're being sarcastic. You can't really gauge the context of how their response is sometime, in my opinion. And I think that makes it a little little difficult. Um but as far as meeting someone new, you usually spend more time, you would rather spend more time texting than talking? Um, I mean, if you meet somebody new, for the most part, if you separate, like say uh, six or seven years ago before I was engaged or married or anything, you say, okay, if you meet somebody, you say, well, they're going their separate way and you going yours. Now, you might be out with your friends and she might be out with hers, but you can always text back, you know, hey, you know, how you doing to make your home safely or whatever the case is, and she can text back. But if you pick up the phone and call, guys playing music in the car and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, you really can't uh, say what you want to say. And then, you know, because I always pay attention to background when I talk to somebody. If the background is not right, usually the situation is not right. Mm-hmm. If you call a female and she got four or five kids in the background and everybody hollering and screaming, you already know what that is. So I think 
texting is a good icebreaker. You'll find out exactly what kind of person a person is. You can you can tell that through texting. You don't have to talk to them. Person writing the text any kind of way and you know, and putting words together that don't even make sense and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> nobody really texts is perfect because a lot of times I'm texting so fast or whatever, I understand that I skip a word here and there. I've always done that. But uh-huh. the thing is, if you do something to where it's just, you know, you just spelling words completely wrong, like, you know, and... You know, that tells you something about the female. She halfway intelligent or if she's not or, you know, are they just speaking total ebonics? Everybody does, does a little something, but you just totally, you know, messing everything up, and that can be a problem. That lets you know something. You just got to pay attention. Yeah, you definitely got to pay attention. I can't stand noise in the background. I'm talking to somebody. Um they like they gotta like stop every five seconds yelling at kids or just crazy stuff going on. I just I don't like that at all. But uh, that's when texting definitely um, comes in handy. So do you think that all right? So you 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 do think that you can adequately get to know someone via text conversation only if you never spoke to them. You've never gone out on a first date. Do you think you can get enough from them to decide, okay, this person is worth a first date just from text? Oh, say that again? Do you think you can get enough information from a person and get to know them just from texting, like you've never talked, you've never actually been out on on a date, just from texting back and forth? Can you get to know a person well enough to where you would feel comfortable going out with them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can meet somebody, you know, 10 minutes ago, and you can set up a date and say, hey, i meet you over at, you know, IHOP or something for a late night or whatever, and you can feel comfortable going out or you can feel comfortable with that person. But getting to know the person, yeah. I mean, any question you want to ask, you don't have to actually speak it. You can actually just text and find out. You got a boyfriend? How long you been living in the city? Are you mm-hmm. from here? Are you from there? I mean, what do you do for a living? I mean, you can ask all them questions in text. So I don't see that as being a problem. I just think that when you do meet face-to-face, you should be able to stop talking with your thumbs and start talking with your tongue. Okay. And there are some people who never really get to that point um, because that's, that's where the term um, – textationship comes from. Now, the definition is a person that texts you all the time but never makes an effort to see you. So it's almost like you're kind of helping them pass the time, but there's no there's no end game. There is no direction leading towards going out or anything. So do you think that um, being in a textationship, so to speak, is almost the same as being stuck in a friend zone? If you're constantly trying to make your move with someone and get them out where you can see them, but they're constantly just wanting to text and never wanting to speak and actually move in a certain direction. No, I I think if you ask the right questions, you won't have a a problem. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't see how you get to these catfish situations where you're talking to somebody for months or years and 
or weeks without establishing something. Hey, you know what's going on? You know, uh, Creed is coming out, you know, last week. I want to go see it. What you're doing Saturday night? Well, I can't do it. I got to do this. I got to do that. Okay. You can only hear that two or three times. Once you hear more than that, obviously the person is not interested. Let me right. go about my business. You know, as far as constantly texting them and they texting you and they sound excited, but whenever you talk about taking it to the next level, like going out or going somewhere, they always got something to do or they can't do it. You know, if they're not working, you know, that's the only excuse really for not doing it. So, no, I wouldn't carry on a text relationship with somebody if I could meet them or talk to them on the phone. Okay. Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on the Talk to Q Radio show. And um, okay, so fast forward to like I said, when I was in the nineties, you know, that's before texting really kicked off. You got a woman's number, you actually called her, and you actually talked. Now you have online dating, Facebook inboxing text messages and stuff. So to you, is that the new norm? I mean, do you still think it's something that's somewhat new? Or this is where we are today and going forward, that's the new norm, digital message to get to know people? Yeah, I mean, that that is the norm. I mean, if we really think about it, that's, mm-hmm. the, better way to, that's the better way to communicate. You know, you have old school people that are going to say, oh, you know, you should do this and, oh, you should do that. But when you think about it, everything that's coming along today is better. You know, I don't necessarily say just because the old school, talking to somebody face-to-face or you having to go to the girl's house and actually meet the folks and all that. I mean, <laughs> all that's nice. But nowadays you have better and faster and smoother ways of getting around that. And part of it is going through your smartphone or your laptop or your tablet, and you can easily set everything up without there being an icebreaker. I mean, or that will be the icebreaker because I don't like to, you know, prejudge somebody or somebody prejudge me. Okay, you meet me and sit down and talk with me, and then you can determine, okay, is he this kind of person, that kind of person? Not because you talked on the phone and you may have had some things going on or like nowadays, suppose you pick the phone up, you're still going to be looking at your smartphone, you're still going to be watching TV, you're still going to have things going on in the background, so it still may not be your full undivided attention. If you're really interested in somebody, you probably go to a room where there's nothing on and you can just put your intention on them, but you'll quickly find out that they're, you know, on the Internet and stuff, why they're talking to you. So, you know, you might as well do it the way the world is right now. Okay. And we're definitely moving that direction. And uh, let me go to the, well, actually stay in the 732 area code at the Garden State of New Jersey. And bring on a show legend, Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, Q. How are you? I am outstanding. Glad to have you on.
And Amanda, I'll get your opinion on this. Um, have we already moved into moved the dating world into digital messages more so than spoken word? I would say so. Um, I think that it's definitely um, the you know as time progresses, that's that's really what it's turning into. Um, I was just kind of listening to what Ray had to say, and I pretty much agree with everything that I that I heard him say. Um, you know, I think I think that texting is a is a wonderful avenue to have, and and being able to send a quick message to someone, and just sometimes you just you don't. It, and I think for me, it really started specifically like after working in a call center. You don't want just you don't want to talk on the phone all day. You know, it's uh-huh. like you 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 have moments where, okay, you know, I want to I want to hear from you. I want to know you're okay. But some people some people don't know how to keep a conversation short anyway. So it could be family, it could be friends, it could be significant other. You know, once you make make that phone call, it can't be a two-minute phone call. It's going to be, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. Sometimes you just need to send that quick text and just be like, hey, you know, how are you doing? And you can kind of go about what you need to do. So um, I think, but I, but don't get me wrong, I think that especially in relationships, it is important to communicate and to have that uh, interaction where you can hear their voice because I think especially if you find their voice attractive, you'll always want to hear that, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you can. So, um, but I think like Ray said also, I think texting can be a good icebreaker because I can, I'm shy on the phone when I'm first speaking with someone. I don't have that that level of comfort to just be able to have a conversation. I like, I, texting is kind of a safer, you know, because you can think about what you want to say instead of, just having to go spur of the moment. So um, I definitely I definitely feel like it's, it's good to be able to um, have versatility and be able to do both. Okay, so one quick question, and then I'll ask Ray. Do you think that, um, you know, back in the day when you got someone's phone number, everyone pretty much knew what it was. The guy was trying to talk to the woman. But now getting a phone number is really not that big of a deal. Do you think that some women will give out phone numbers to guys that they're not interested in just because they don't mind texting as long as it doesn't lead to anything? Well, who are you asking me? Well, I was asking her and I was going to go to you. Oh, okay. Um, I think that I, I think that's possible. I never really looked at it that way. I think that you know, maybe that for people who aren't confident enough to say, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable leaving my phone number out, I have a man, or I'm not interested, or whatever. Or even just saying, hey, you know, maybe we could be friends. I guess it's possible, but to me, I like I like texting with someone that I, I want some type of relationship with. Even if it is just a friendship, I'm not going to just be, I'm, I don't, I'm not the type of person, even if I was single, to just be like, okay, I'm going to waste my time and text this person that I really have no type of interest in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can you could say, you know, I see this this really nice looking guy, I'd like to get to know him, and maybe you'll find out uh, romantically. I don't think it would work. He has too much drama going on. But you but you find out that you guys could have a friendship. You know, mm-hmm. so but somebody I just had totally no interest with. I I don't think I would I would exchange numbers with them unless it was just absolutely okay. Let me do this because. I just need to walk away from the situation and, and get to where I'm going. But just to be giving somebody mm-hmm. my number, knowing that I don't want to 
don't want to text with them or talk to them right. at all? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, Ray, I, I met this lady through uh, a mutual friend. And so we're talking and everything. She gave me her number. And so, of course, you know, over the next couple of days while I was at work, we would text one another, right? Okay, so I asked her out, and she was like, well, I'm not really ready for that, so let's, can we text a little more and, you know, get to know each other? I was like, all right, cool, right? So try calling that evening, didn't get, a, didn't get an answer, all right? And so the next morning I text again. We chatted, chatted for like another three, four days, all right? Weekend's coming up. Asked her out again. And she said, yeah, that's cool, but then she ended up canceling. So, you know, the next day she's texting again. Hey, how's it going? What you do last night? All this stuff. I got tired of it. I stopped texting because I'm like, I tried to call you. You didn't take the call. I asked you out. You didn't go. I'm not going to sit here and text back and forth, you know. So I don't know if she just enjoyed my, my company and just, like, texting me. And that's why she gave me her number. I mean, so do you think that can be the case that some people would give you their number just because they want to pass the time of conversation and they really have no interest? Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean, see, a lot of times some females they just need a friend, or they need a, a some a shoulder to cry on, or they need somebody to uh to 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 lean on emotionally, you know. And, you know, I mean, and that's cool if a guy doesn't mind being that. But, you know, hey, you got to let them know. When they need a shoulder to cry on, they ain't what you want to do. You got to let them know your shoulder broke. You can't do that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I think that it's it's a thing that you have to establish, you know. I don't think there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, when I met you or whatever, you know, I really thought you was uh, my type or I think we we have some mutual interest and I would like to take you out. Are you interested in that? Now, she say, well, I don't think that time is right. I think I need to get to know you better. And I, I would ask, you know, how well do you have to get to know me in order to go out to eat or sit down and talk or either watch a movie or whatever. And depending upon what her response is, is you know, that will let me know what the situation is. Because when you get a female like that, and, you know, I'm not going to go negative with it tonight. I'm just telling like it is. I'm just going to say that she's probably got another boyfriend or mm-hmm. she's got somebody else that she's going out with. At the time when she met you, she thought that she could burn the candle on both ends or she's not really serious about you because she got another crush. Yeah, when she gave you the number, they was probably arguing or disagreeing, so it sounded good to give you the number. But now they they made up a little bit. Now it's kind (laughs) of like, um, I came from the buffet. Now you want to take me out to dinner. I'm really not hungry. So... It doesn't matter if I go to the bus, I go to dinner or not because I I ate already, and then you to me you just gotta let that go. Okay, all right, very well said, sir. Very well well said. Um, and yeah, I, I think I I was I didn't want to get caught up in that. I'm not interested in texting someone back and forth like that unless it's been established that this that's what we're going to do. 
but um, that was not established. So, uh, Amanda, I, I guess when it's all said and done, um, I mean, Texan is, you know, here to stay, of course, for now, until they think of the next um, big thing. Uh, how do you feel about videos? Because um, I've heard of people who use Snapchat to record videos, and they send video text. So instead of just typing the words, they're actually speaking whatever it is they have to say and then sending that conversation to the other person. Now, to me, a phone call seems easier, but, I mean, this does allow the person to see your face at least. Do you think that's the direction we're going to start going, Snapchatting instead of texting? Well, I'm not on Snapchat, but, I mean, I guess it works the same as, um, like, Glide and all that type of stuff, which um, I think one of my cousins had me download Glide, and then one of my good friends, I don't know what that is. Like, we've, it's like, it's like basically Glide is like a, um, where you can record a video and send it to that person, so you're, it's like, you know, a quick little video, um, of, you know, hey, how's it going, yeah, I saw this, check this out, whatever, and that's something I've done, like, probably two or three times total, um, as far as, like, anything else that I've ever did, when me and Ray were, um, engaged and dating and still living far apart, we would Skype, um, mm-hmm. you know, we did right. that, but it's, I'm not, but unless you're just far away, like, you know, I'm Skyping family or FaceTiming family or something, I'm not really a, a video person. I'm more so of a, I mean, I will Skype, like I said, if it's a, a really good friend, but just, just somebody I was still really getting to know, I don't think I would be, as, I don't think I would be so comfortable with that. I think I would just rather yeah. sit down and have a conversation face to face or, um, you know, go out or talk on the phone or text or whatever. But I just wanted to say regarding um, what you were saying as far as the lady that, that, you know, had all the excuses and didn't want to go out, if she was 19, 20, 30, 21 years old or something like that, maybe, and I, I don't know how old she was, but I know all of us on this call are over 30. So at that, at that point in our in in our lives, it's, you know, you pretty much have to – it's 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 too late and it's too it's too old for for you're too old for games. So if she didn't want a relationship or she just wanted to text, and I think she should have just said, "Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is not what I'm looking for." So I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. To the eight five zero area code, I go. The Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, and welcome on the man in black, the homie Buck. What's going on, bro? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Hey, doing pretty well, man. Right. How you doing? Hey. Doing all right. All right, Buck, and uh, we're getting ready to close out the topic, but uh, could you exclusively text someone? I mean, no talking whatsoever um, all the way up to the to the first date. I mean, no phone calls, nothing. All you do is text. Are you okay with that all the way up to the first date? No, I'm not okay with that. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I think what what texting does is really kind of dumbs you down, um, and it kind of takes away from the the thrill of meeting somebody. It to me, texting is is a is a lazy form of communication. Um, is texting important to some? Yes, that's true. But my thing is, is I'd rather 
You know, if I'm going to meet somebody, I'd rather meet them in person first, get to know them. Uh, um, you know, it's all right to take somebody. You know, I, I just can't take somebody all the way up to going out on the first date. That's just not it's not going to happen. You're going to have to hear their so, voice. So. Yeah, I, I got to hear a voice. I got to talk to you on the phone. You know, now, I mean, back in the day, I mean, there were times where you, you met somebody, you know, first time, you know, meet them out, and then you talk to them on the phone maybe a week or two or something like that, and then, you you know, you go out and, you know, you go out on a date, you know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to not hear a voice and just text you up until the time you go, you go on the first date. That's just not happening. So if that's the way you roll, then we're not going to even have a first date. That's just, that's just me. I mean, you got to you, in a relationship, whether you meet them for the first time or whether you've been in a relationship or married or whatever, there's got to be FaceTime. And I'm not talking about FaceTime on the damn phone. I'm talking about actual FaceTime where you, <laughs> you know, where you got to talk or you got to see this person face-to-face, you know, and get, you know, and talk to them. So now if you've been married for a while or something like that, you're on a phone rate, you know, you're on a, you're working or something like that or, you know, whether your significant other is working out of state, working in North Dakota or somewhere other than where you live, and you FaceTime on your phone, that's one thing. But I damn sure I'm not going to face somebody, FaceTime somebody I don't even know and trying to get to know and FaceTiming them or texting them or any of that shit. Because to me, it, it's just it's, it's laziness. And if you don't have the common decency to meet me somewhere, meet me for coffee, meet me for lunch, meet me for dinner, or drinks or whatever. If you're too lazy, then all you're gonna do is text me. Then we ain't going It ain't gonna. It ain't gonna work between you and me. You and me. That's just the way I feel about it. Okay. And um, I, I'm kind of with you on that, Buck. I mean, I use texting to kind of get to the next level. Uh, you know, we can text and it's convenient, and I get that, especially when you're both working. But uh, when we're both off work. And I kind of expect to talk to the person. Uh, And even when it comes to online dating, if you're going to online date, if you sit there, chat back and forth and send inbox messages, uh, I I mean, you may get to know the other person, but there are going to be certain nuances of the person you're going to miss. You're going to miss sarcasm um, and things of that nature to know about. It's going to be a little bit difficult to kind of recognize the person's personality. I think that, when you're online date, that's kind of like the process of just making each other known to one another. And then at that point, you got to move it to the next level. At that point, you got to move it to a phone conversation. Uh, I just don't think you can dwell on the computer uh, too often when it comes to that. But, uh, yeah, I, I went through a text station ship for probably about, like I said, close to two weeks, probably about nine or ten days before I just said, you know what, I can't do this anymore, and I just stopped texting. And, uh, you know, I got a few more texts from her, but I just eventually told her that uh, I just wasn't interested in texting her all the time, you know, and told her to call me when she wanted to go out. So, And I left it at that because I just think that uh, there's almost only so much talking I can do. I'll text with friends, you know, where, you know, may talk sports or something of that nature, but if I ask a woman for her number, it ain't because I want to text her on a regular basis. All right, I'm not looking for a text, buddy. That's just not how I get down. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. I've got one more topic I want to 
bring to you all's attention. Uh, well, first of all, before I get to that topic, I guess it's kind of important to mention, too, the incident that happened today with the San Bernardino um, shooting, where I last checked, they were like, what, 14 dead and 17 injured, or I don't know if that number has changed or not. Um, first of all, have you all had a chance to see any of this on the news? Yes. Ray, Amanda? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the news, so yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who feels this way, but I'll ask your opinion anyway. Does it? Does all this stuff that goes on change how you approach, like, maybe where you sit at a restaurant, if you sit with your back to a door, or, or how you just go around in your everyday life? I mean, do you find yourself watching people a little more than what you used to? Um, yeah. Well, I'm aware of my surroundings anyway, for the most part, you know. Yeah, I mean, even before all of this stuff started happening, I didn't go to restaurants and, you know, me and, me and a date or something would go somewhere. I'm always going to sit where I can see the restaurant, not just because you're thinking nothing like that is going to happen. It's just that I want to be able to see everything. I can't. I don't like sitting nowhere with my back to a situation where, I know that you right. know, you know, I just got to see, just got to, you know, see the whole situation. Okay, Amanda Buck. What Ray said. I mean, I've I've always been tried to be pretty, um, pretty cautious with that type of thing, and you know, just just watching my surroundings. Um, I'm not going to necessarily say that events like this make make me do things a whole lot different from what I've always done, but it, it definitely makes me more aware um, of my surroundings and how things can happen. And sometimes if you see someone who looks a little out of place or a little suspicious, it will kind of make you, um, it will kind of make you watch and say, you know, who who's this person? Like, for instance, at our job, we have a, um, a no tailgating pro- uh, policy. So, you know, even if, me and Buck work together. I need to swipe my badge and enter my code. He needs to swipe his badge and enter his code. He's not supposed to just trail in behind me. Um, well, sometimes, you know, at work, I'll see somebody and you'll see somebody walking around and you haven't seen them before and they're over there, especially in, in an area where you pretty much know everybody in that area. And I will find myself watching that person to see, okay, what are they doing? Where are they going? Especially if they look lost because you just never know. So um, that is definitely one thing that I can say. Um, I, I find myself being a little bit more aware of stuff like that. Okay. Buck, you want to chime in, man? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always been kind of aware of my surroundings also for a very long time. Um, in fact, some people even tell me I come come in the room kind of like I'm getting ready to tear the room down. <laughs> so it's kind of funny <laughs> because I'm the, I've been told that many times, but, um, you know, when I sit in the restaurant, I always kind of sit, if I'm sitting, you know, I kind of go to the back and make sure I'm facing where I can see everything, where I can see whether people come in, where they're going out. And I don't know whether it's just just something I've always done. Um, and I'm always aware whether I'm sitting in it. If I decide that I, you know, I'm bringing my family to a grocery store and I don't want to go in, I'm always parked where I can see everything, and mm-hmm. you know where nobody can you know, come up, you know, and come up be asking me for change where I'm sitting in my car, or 
I know when I'm in the store, I'm always, you know, making sure that I'm checking my surroundings and looking around and so forth, especially during the holiday time because you need to have a heightened sense of awareness. Um, if I if I go to multiple stores, like I'm in the mall or something like that, I don't carry seven or eight bags in my hand. I try to condense all the bags that I have into one bag. So, therefore, you know, you look like you're carrying less, you're less likely to, you know, be, you know, somebody trying to mess with you or whatnot. So I just think, you know, you make sure you take care, you know, you kind of watch your surroundings and make sure things are on up and up. And, you know, if I have a lady, lady with me or whatnot, she's not allowed to carry her purse on the outside shoulder. She's always, she can only carry her purse on the shoulder that's closest to me, not on the outside. I mean, that's just something my mom taught me. So, I mean, that's just, you know, little things like that, you know, kind of go a long way in, in you know, making things a little bit safer for you. So I'm, I've always been aware of surroundings. So I don't, you know, I hadn't, there's only been very few times where somebody kind of, you know, tried to get over on me, you know, for whatever reason, but they were, they were dealt with, with brute force. So. Mm-hmm. And, man, I, I remember one time, um, I'm trying to remember when it was, maybe about two years ago. I was standing in a line at Kroger, and there was a guy behind me who was wearing a long jacket. And, you know, it was probably like May. Yeah, it was probably around May. It was hot. I know that much. It was almost 90 degrees. And this dude was wearing a long jacket. And I kept trying to position myself to where I could stand and watch him. You know, because I'm like, oh, man, what's this dude wearing this long jacket? Man, it never crossed my mind that he was probably shoplifting. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it I, it made me uncomfortable because I had to stand where I could watch him in case I had to, like, swing or something, you know. But you, you never know what's going on. And all of this stems back to, I, I guess, 9-11. And something that bin Laden says that he said he was going to, invoke fear in the United States and, and make us blow all of our money and bankrupt us with, with fear, and he's done that. I mean, we spent billions of dollars on the um, war, and, you know, it, now it's to the point where you can't even wear shoes on the airplane. You got to come out your shoes to, you know, get on an airplane now. I mean, the country is paranoid, and now you have these three guys who show up and San Bernardino and start shooting, and no one really knows why. And it's just making everything a mess, man. And it's just sad that you can't go anywhere without just sitting back and just really watching people and evaluating what everyone's wearing, everyone's mood, and, you know, trying to see what people are up to. And you can't even enjoy yourself. And I think it's a shame, man. And unfortunately, it is not going to get any better. But a topic I wanted to bring up, the state of Texas has decided to remove any mention of slavery from their school textbooks. Okay. In fact, the word, the, the phrase, the slave trade, will now be referred to as the Atlantic Triangular Trade. Jim Crow and the Ku Klux Klan will no longer appear in, t- in school books in Texas. All right. Amanda, I'll start with you. Is this a good idea to remove this stuff from the history books 
um, so that the kids, I guess, can't learn the onset of racism. This is the most stupid thing I've heard. This makes no sense. I don't understand why you wouldn't teach the history as it occurred. Or, I mean, that's that's what happened. It was a slave trade. It wasn't a mid-Atlantic trade of spices and guns and other stuff. And you know, it was it was slaves. I mean, it, I'm sure other trading was going on, but as far as for what we're talking about and how we got here. This is this is what was happening. So if you don't teach that, then okay, are you going to not talk about the religious persecution in England, which brought the pilgrims over? Uh, you know, it just it just doesn't make sense if you're not going to teach history as it is about one group of people. How can you teach it and make holidays and big deals for other people? It just makes no sense. And to talk about the brutality that um, black people have had to go through since they've been in this country will better help people understand the situation today um, as to what's going on and um, why certain things are still happening. So that makes no sense to me why they would take that out of the textbook. Okay. And I got a call to hold and hit one when you're ready to join the host queue. Uh, Ray, what do you think, man? I mean, by removing this, are you allowing... um, kids to not get a base of what racism was and how it got started. Is that a good thing? Um, I don't think um, removing it is a good thing, but it's not necessarily the worst thing either, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's up to each parent to teach the kids history and things that happened before them. Now, schools are supposed to teach history, but history is just exactly what it is. It's his story. You have Mm -hmm. to do your own research, and you have to understand what happened and how it happened. It's just like, say, 50 or 75 years from now, and, you know, kids in school, and there may not be as much racism as it is now. Two kids may be together and say, well, can you believe they actually bought and sold people? You know, it may be a thing that nobody really knows about until they actually have to go in the library and discover this for themselves because something such as this of this magnitude will make a person actually get up and go research it and find out things for themselves. I know in school they don't teach you enough about the right history that they need to let you know about. So I don't think it's the worst thing, but I just don't think that they should mess with the curriculum the way they're doing. You know, let let, let it come out and discuss it with the kids and see how they feel about it and, you know, and let them know, hey, we're not here to put blame on anybody, but this is what actually happened. So, you know, there were some bad people, just as they are today, that, you know, did certain things to certain people of certain races. When everybody's outraged about it, they know not to do it to people today. Okay. Very well said, sir. To the phone lines I go, to the 601 area code, the Magnolia State of Mississippi, to bring on the Minister of Sexual Affairs, as he's been dubbed by my man Alex up in Philly. Eminem, what's happening, bro? Hey, what up, Q? What a radio world? 
And uh, Eminem, no more KKK, no more Jim Crow. Um, just good old American history in the state of Texas. And not only uh, did they remove this from the, the school books, they also um, have a file like an injunction or something that prevents <laughs> the, the um, decision to do that from being challenged. Man, if 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 I didn't know you and I wasn't on this show, and if I heard that, I'd be like, "That's got to be a joke." I mean, damn. I, I I don't even know the 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 educational quote unquote legality in that. You know, uh, saying saying slavery didn't exist in America is 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 just as dumb as saying World War Two never happened, the Civil War never happened. Um, I mean, I, I don't even understand the logic in it because it's 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 always been shit historical that somebody didn't like or something that could affect somebody in the future, but that's just something you got to live with. I mean. Uh, okay, so if they're going to say slavery didn't exist, so are they going to do away with the Emancipation Proclamation and, and um, are they going to do away with uh, the Spanish-American War, uh, remember the Alamo? I mean, I'm just saying, what else you going to get rid of? I mean, I know they're gonna anybody? They're going to get rid of how things went down with, Col- with Columbus and the, and the Native Americans. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I just don't understand that though. I mean, it's like number one, as brutal as slavery was, and as it, and and as uh, terrible that that time period was, and the long term effects it had, because it wasn't just the working for no money. That's fucked up. But it it ain't the end of the world. But being sold, raped, bought, uh, totally stripped down, and all that. And now you're just gonna sweep it under the rug. Well, doing that type of shit is what creates shit like ISIL and stuff like that, in a sense, because you're never going to heal if you don't talk about the shit. So 200 years from now, you know, a couple kids just inquisitive get together and be like, damn, man, this was fucked up. You know, man, this was fucked up. So now they have a common bond of, of, of being inquisitive and now that's when you get angry. It's like, man, you mean all this motherfucking time? I'm 50 years old and I was adopted, and y'all motherfuckers didn't tell me I was adopted. You know, I hate you guys. Same thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, shit, man, it's certain shit you don't mess with. And to miseducate an entire state on something that's part of American history, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I, I, it, it, okay, when you remove slavery, you not only remove the, the bad aspects of slavery, you also remove... Everything that evolved around it, like what was the if somebody said no Harriet Tubman, right? It's like what was the industry in the United States, specifically in the South, where what caused everybody to get rich? How can you talk about cotton without saying who, who picked this shit? You know it what I'm saying? Oil. How can you, it's gonna be all right. now. <laughs> it's gonna be all. Right, damn, I'm just saying. Like, I, and, 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 and you know, how can you talk about uh, uh, deforestation, uh, uh, the, the industry, and all this stuff? Agriculture. The whole country was based off agriculture for a huge part of time. How can you? How can you 
logically educate a group of kids on that and and some kind of way slavery just you know it's like shit they didn't have tractors how did shit get picked you know i mean damn that that is crazy and then it can't even be challenged now if i'm not mistaken i believe arnie duncan is still the um person over education for the entire nation and all that but the same way you know states have control over certain things uh, but it's still certain aspects of education that's kind of across the board. And I really don't understand how that even passed. No, yeah, I just I, think I, that uh, people have a focus on, like uh, Ray said, trying to put out his story instead of what actually happened. And uh, you can't, black people, if you don't make them sympathetic figures, it changes things. You know, think about it. How is it going to sound? that a black person is complaining about inequality if you don't know about racism. It's going to sound pretty stupid. Yeah. And folks are going to be like, well, folks are going to be like, well, Jamal, you go to school just like I do, or you have a job just like I do. What are you complaining about? We are equals because you don't understand Jamal's past because slavery essentially never exists, you know? So it's going to have a a long-term effect at some point. And maybe they're thinking that this is a way to avoid white guilt if we just sweep it under the rug and say it yeah, never well, happened. Yeah, that, well, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it's a double dose of white guilt. I mean, to me, I think the nation has made so many strides forward. You know, doing stuff like this, doing stuff like this, set it back, you know? Yeah, like, I think so, too. And, Buck, let me get your two cents on it. Well, and it's weird. I mean, I, this, is, this is really bizarre that you would cut out, you know, a section of American history. It's almost like they're trying to cover it up like it never happened. Um, I'm not sure whose idea this was to, you know, cut this out and not keep this. Maybe, you know, maybe they thought this was a great idea by doing it this way to, um, you know, try to, you know, maybe in some some ways this is a way that they think they could do it so they can just, you know, they figure, you know, maybe it's like trying to brainwash the kids and like it never happened. I'm not real sure, you know, the only way you can learn from your past, I mean, so that way it doesn't happen again, is know your past. Okay, you got to know it. And unfortunately, this country, that's how it was, you know, it was built on that stuff. So in order in order for us to learn from it so it doesn't happen again, you got to know about it. You got to know it, you know it exists. And like Eminem was saying, you know, I mean, you know, this is something that needs to be taught. So, therefore, you know, you can learn from it and and be better people because of it. So, but maybe in somebody's mind they thought it was a great idea. If we don't teach it at all, maybe they they won't even know about it. And maybe you know they'll, you know, it'll, it'll you know stop being you know racism and things and be you know won't be taught because it won't be in our history books. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean it's definitely that's a different. Of, Take all the bad stuff out of history, you know. Abraham Lincoln yeah. and John Kennedy were never shot. You know? Well, <laughs> I mean, take, take you that know, out of history, too. Not, the Great Depression never happened. <laughs> well, if you, if you start taking pieces of, of American history out, I mean, you might as well not even teach history. You know, so, I mean, and I think history is important because we have to learn from it. So I, I, I don't I don't agree with this approach. You know, especially coming from a, you know, 
my mom was a school teacher for thirty, you know, thirty nine years. So, you know, my thing is, you know, it's just not, you know, taking something out of the history books just because you're trying to, you know, whitewash eradicate it. it, whitewash it or whatever. I just don't think that's the right approach. I think it should be taught, but it should be taught like this, you know, say this is something that, you know, we don't condone. This is something that we don't do. As the reason why we're teaching this, so therefore you don't go home thinking, you know, don't don't go home and teach your kids how to do these things. That's the way it should be taught. And it's you know, America has to start taking a common sense approach to things and stop dumbing it down. We've dumbed down the society to the point now we're one of the dumbest countries in the, in in the world, not one of the smartest, and because we're trying to make everything easy, and you just can't do it that way. And this is just a prime example of that. Yeah, I just think it's uh, going way too far. I mean, out of all the things you decide to remove from the history books, you decide to remove, you know, (laughs) the thing that this country was founded on. The only reason this country is pretty much here. And like I said, the Native Americans and what happened with them, that'll be next. That'll be next. All we're going to know at some point is that all we're going to know is that Christopher Columbus discovered the country in 1492, and then it's going to skip all the way into the 1900s with the Model T Ford. You know, 500 years of history is just going to disappear. And I uh, think it's 400 years of history, and I think it's stupid. Uh, and I think the fact that the whole state is really subjected to it, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. That they don't have a choice. Yeah, you can teach it at home, but if you teach your kid about slavery and all the other kids that he goes to school with don't know about slavery, then, you know, then what? They're not going to be sympathetic to certain things because they're not going to understand it. You know, it's going to be a fairy tale to them. The KKK is not going to be real. So, you know, don't get that out. Check, check this out. What if somebody from that state that, you know, learns the current new curriculum ends up going somewhere like Mississippi and they'll be out, um, you know, going up to, you know, because when we were growing up, we actually saw the KKK standing there in that damn hood at the entrance of Metro Center and give, passing out flyers and stuff. So if you're coming from Texas and you happen to be, you know, in Mississippi somewhere and they passing out these flyers, and you don't know what the hell going on. You just, you know, what the hell? These guys standing up here in these suits, in white suits, covered up, looking like clowns and shit. What's up with that? You know, it's part of American history. It's not that just because you take it out of Texas doesn't mean you ain't going to see it some damn where else. I mean, what the fuck? Right. So, I don't know. Again, just one of those things that's politics in this country. People pushing their agenda, uh, and unfortunately, it's not anything that um, can be done done unless someone really, um, you know, takes it to a, a, a really higher level. Hey, I'm, I'm say, can I say this real quick? And, and think about field trips, guys. You know how you visit places like, uh, and I, I mean, every state pretty much has them, uh, especially in the South. You know, places like uh, Natchez and. New Orleans and uh, uh, Vicksburg and places like that. It's like, man, why I keep seeing it? We don't. We went on this trip. We keep seeing these little iron, like tributes 
talking about, you know, discovered this way, a former slave or this or that. It's like, what's, what's this reference to slaves all the time? I'm just saying that's just dumb. It's just like, how can Texas, I know they want to be their own state, and sh- I mean, their own country and shit, but how can you alienate a whole group of kids away from that? I, I, I don't know. I just don't even understand the rationale. I'm just, I'm just looking at it as if I'm not even a black person. I just don't even understand the rationale. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it either. I think it's absolutely stupid. So. All right. Um, let's see. There will be a live show tomorrow. I was able to catch up with um, boxing referee Tony Weeks, and so Tony Weeks will come on tomorrow. That's going to be an hour early at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Young Brothers will be back, and we'll talk to him about. Uh, his career as a referee, how he got started. Uh, we'll discuss some of his ring responsibilities and, you know, maybe discuss some, you know, what he saw from the Klitschko-Tyson Fury fight that he just did this past weekend, which um, a rematch has already been established because Klitschko had that in his clause. So that terrible fight will happen again, and maybe Klitschko will decide to fight this go-around. But that's going to be tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Talk to Tony Weeks. Be sure to call in and talk to him. He's a really nice guy. Uh, next Tuesday, how much sleep do you need? We'll take a look at something that a lot of us take for granted, and that's resting our bodies. And, you know, I kind of have my little spin on things. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about getting enough rest, something that I failed to do and haven't done in the last 15 years. All that and more on the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. And like I said, that's Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. And there's only going to be one live show next week uh, due to a conflict that I have. So there will be a Tuesday show. And Wednesday there will be a show, but it won't be live. It will be a recorded podcast of an interview that you can check out if you want. All right. Let's go to final thoughts. And... Ray, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, the whole Texan thing, I mean, I don't really see a problem with it. I think it's a nice icebreaker, but I think eventually you should be able to talk to whoever you're texting. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes it's taken too far and it's not um, used the way it should be. But for the most part, I think texting has improved communication over the last uh, 15 years. And, you know, I I really don't see a reason why people really shouldn't use it starting out in communication. Mm -hmm. But I think, like I say, eventually you should talk to the person and you shouldn't hold up complete relationship through texting. Like I say, if you're working or something like that, then that's one thing. But if you're not, then I don't think that that should be your primary source of communication. But, you know, we live in another time and another world, and I don't think just because, you know, this generation has it a little easier when it comes to communicating with, say, females and things of that nature – that we should really kick down on that. I mean, it's a lot easier to communicate. Like people on the other side of the building or whatever, you can just text so you can 
you know, get something out to a person without, you know, using intercom systems and things like that. So I think it's good. But, you know, as far as uh, they take slavery out of the textbooks, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of things in history we don't agree with, mm-hmm. but we can't we can't pick and choose how we want to do things. You know, I mean, you go to court if it, uh, a crime is committed. A lot of people don't want the criminal's history brought into the situation after they've been killed or whatever the case is. I mean, same thing with a female; she's attacked. They don't want a sexual history brought up. So it's one of these things that. People take history out of everything. And what does that have to do with what's going on now and so forth? So, I mean, Texas, that's why they have one of the worst educational systems in the nation. I mean, they're in the bottom five or whatever it is. Oh, really? And, oh, absolutely. So that's the reason why it's like that. So, like I say, man, a lot of, a lot of times we put energy into shit that people ain't doing shit anyway. So why even concern yourself with it? You know, let them do what they do. But we all know what it is because we see what the statistics say. So great show and look forward to some uh, zone coverage. All right. Thank you, sir. And, but what say you, sir? Great show. Um, enjoyed it very much. Um, uh... You know, when you when it's when you're talking about texting people, especially tech you know, having a text relation text relationship, um, you know, this is another example of America dumbing people down in my opinion. Um the lack of communication is the reason why a lot of a lot of relationships now don't work. And in my opinion, texting somebody to meet them is a lack of communication because you know, my thing is if you can't talk to somebody face to face then, or and you should just text them. All you're doing is shorthanding it, and you just you, to me you just can't learn enough about a person unless you actually see them and talk to them and meet them and you know see their mannerisms and things of that nature. And I'd rather do that in person than just texting somebody because sometimes you text somebody, especially when they're new and you don't know them, it just doesn't come across right. And then when you finally do, if you if you ever have the opportunity to meet that person. You're gonna know how to communicate with them unless you know. I'd rather communicate communicate with them first face to face before I start texting them. Yeah, it's just that's just the way I roll, and that's it. really I think that's just the way it needs to be done. But everybody got their own style, and they can do what they want to do, but not this one. Um, as far as taking taking history out of the history books and taking slavery out and taking plan out and all that kind of stuff. It's just not a, you know, this is American history. It's part of it. We got to learn from it. And I just don't think, you know, Texas, you know, doing this is just, you know, it's just not it's not the appropriate thing to do because it's going to be culture shock for those kids once they grow up and go to other other areas, like Eminem said, like going on a field trip or, you know, traveling with their, you know, family, you know, going to other parts of the country where, you know, this stuff will hit them right in the face, and they ain't going to know how to react to it. So my thing is, is, you know, don't take it out of the history books. It's part of American history. It's just part it's part of who we are. But at the same time, we also need to teach common sense. And, you know, 
the, if the teachers actually take the time and teach the correct and proper way and show people that, you know, tell them this is not what we do, you know, and learn from these things so we can be better people, you know, teachers' responsibility as well. I think them taking that out of the history books, I think it's just a cop-out and just to try to make the curriculum easier and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just not not the appropriate thing to do. So hopefully they'll they'll change that up and, you know, leave it like it is and go from there. But great show. And looking forward to some zone coverage. All right, sir. Eminem. Oh man, great show as always. Uh, uh, I, I missed the the, the text and uh, part of it, but for the most part, from what I what I gathered, uh, it's pretty much a uh, beginning of relationship uh, through texting, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That was sort of the gist of it. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, uh, I, I I really like the point Buck made about it. Like, you know, you know, you want to kind of get the vibe of a person first. Now, after that, you can text all you want, but initially meeting somebody, you know, to each his own. But uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, man. That that could be that that could really backfire on you, and uh, especially if you got somebody that because you don't really know the vibe. You don't know what, how, I mean, until you really get the feel for a person. See, a text has no emotion to it. So no. something you can read and you really don't know this chick, man, you next round, next thing you know, you got some kind of uh, uh, harassment charges and all that because you're saying, right. like, well, damn, I was just trying to, I was, you know, you saying I'm being fresh in a in a harassing way. I was just trying to be funny. Because you don't know how to take it, but once you don't, you know you, you don't physically, uh, in person talk to them and laughed and joked, and you can see how far you can push the envelope and all that kind of stuff like that. Then it can still happen, but it, it, you know it's pretty much more in your favor for nothing to go wrong. So that would that would be my biggest skepticism of it for the people who choose to do that. I mean, you know, I'm a visual person myself. You know, you know everything to make a woman feminine that's what i want to observe you know mm-hmm. visually you know the smell of the perfume or whatever you know just the eye contact and all that i mean i just can't imagine it straight you know a facebook page and this text and it's like well yeah you know this, this is fine but i can't talk the type of shit i want to talk until i see your ass so i know how you really gonna react to certain stuff so because i don't want to end up in some kind of herman cain bullshit you know what i'm saying uh-uh but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, cause that that can be real dangerous, and, and then it, it also make it seem like you ain't got no game, you know, when you can't do nothing but that. Like I say, if you know, if the situation calls for nothing but that, that's 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 totally understandable. But just strictly, I don't know. It, it just kind of remind me of that show Catfish for some reason. You know, just. It's just some yeah. kind of awkwardness about it, you know. It's just like, nah, man. What what happened to just some kind of physical, you know, you know, speaking game or, or talking, or even if it's just a casual brunch or something. I mean, just something physical, something real, you know. So, you know, that kind of remind me of that. Uh, there's a show you had on, man. It was way back, you know, a couple, maybe about two years ago. Now the people, you know, they wouldn't have sex. They just kind of. Pump shadows or some shit. I forgot the name of it, but I mean, <laughs> oh, that was yeah, uh, that was called shadowing. 
Yeah, see that type of shit, man. I, I mean, that ain't that ain't uh see that all that stuff is in that category. I mean, you know, you know, people always say I don't judge nobody out and I fuck that. I do judge people, man. If you if you know if you don't want to hit the real thing, you just want to hit a shadow then. Hell, nah, something wrong with that. But uh so same thing with texting. I mean, texting is one of the greatest things ever, but if you don't want to do nothing but that, then that's kind of I don't know. That's mm-hmm. kind of different, I'll say that. Um, yeah. The slavery thing in Texas, like I say, that, that's that's one more slap in the face of black America as a whole, you know. Um, that's, that's basically saying your story doesn't matter, you know. We, we're not going to tell the kids that the Italians didn't have to dig the subways or the Chinese didn't have to dig the railroads and, you know, and on and on and on, but okay, you know, all this cotton and all this shit just popped up and picked itself in the South. And people look the way they look out of a love relationship. No, there was no interracial dating in 18-something and 17-something, I can assure you, <laughs> or the early 1900s, you know. So, you know, I to me, for the rest of white America and for white America that's in Texas that truly try to do all they can to go forward. They really need to have a conversation with no black people involved, no other races involved, and just like, listen, you know, this is making it seem like we're trying to sweep this shit under the rug, and this is doing more. you insulting these people more than healing this shit, you know, so I think they just need to have a closed-door conversation and just, like, you know, think about it. You know, what if somebody told you, you know, uh, Alexander Graham Bell didn't do this, or Thomas Edison didn't do that. You know, how would you feel about that? And you want his descendants, you know? So that's how these people feel about this, and this is the shit that made them what they are. You know what I'm saying? This is why mm-hmm. we speak the way we speak: broken English, ebonics, all this shit. You know, it just didn't happen overnight, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, hmm. so, okay. so, so. People running to Texas in droves, but, I mean, shit, you know, education fucked up here, too, but, uh, hell, no. Nah. I mean, I, somebody got to take a stand on that, you know. That's that's an insult. All right. I appreciate it, man. And Amanda, shut it down for me, please. Great show. I enjoyed hearing everybody tonight. Uh, regarding the texting, I think that is, is, a, is technology is fantastic, the way we can communicate and send each other messages and multitask and all those things. But like Eminem said, it's nothing like the real thing as far as getting to know somebody and being around them physically. To me, that's always going to be the best. But I think that um, instead of trying to have texting or any type of form of technology, whether it's video chatting or Skype or whatever, replace that, um, that intimacy and physical interaction um, or face-to-face interaction, you can use that to supplement for the times that you can't be together physically and, you know, kind of keep the, you know, as they say, keep the home fires burning or get to know somebody better or whatever. So I think mm-hmm. instead of just re- replacing the the traditional way, we can just make things better by having a, another form of communicating. So um, regarding the school system in in Texas and the removing of slavery and the slave trade, you know, like I said earlier, I think that's the one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Um, I think that is detrimental to 
students coming uh, coming up going forward because if they're not if they're not being taught at home, where are they going to hear this from? And it's you know it's a it's a it's a it's a bad part of our history. It's not something that Americans are proud of, but it it is what it is, and it's part of how this country came to be. So to take it out of the history books is doing a, a disservice to um, all of the future future generations, not just black children, but right. um, white and whatever else. So just just my thought on it. But I enjoyed everybody, and uh, I definitely hope everybody has a great great night. Thank you very much, ma'am. Very appreciate it. And, um, okay, well, great show. We'll get into a little zone coverage afterwards. I don't have a lot, but I have a little. Uh, my thanks to thecrystalshow.com for being a sponsor of the show with her exclusive piece known as A Pimp's Perspective. Go to the Crystal Show, go to thecrystalshow.com and check it out. Very entertaining. My thanks to MyHebrewRoots.net. Shouts out to Sharon out there in the Dallas area. And uh, you can hear the show live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 10 p.m. But like I said, got a show tomorrow at 9 p.m. If you want to keep up with what's going on, then go to TalkToQ.com and check out my calendar, and you can see all the upcoming shows there. Um, follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. And everyone, have a good night. Peace out. If you're not into sports, we're getting ready to get into a little zone coverage. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole circle thing off. Happy, anything moves, we knock out. Let's go. T2Q, zone coverage, we cover sports, mainly the NFL, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone, you know how we do it, we'll jump right into it, like I said, I don't want to take a lot of time this evening with a sports show coming tomorrow, but uh, first bit of news I want to throw out there, Mark Rick, former University of Georgia coach, has found him a home at his alma mater at the U. Ray, do you think that uh, Rick can get that team turned around? Because I personally feel like 
if you go to a school like Miami, you will get fired at some point because the expectations are high. But that's his alma mater, man. So can he get them going in the right direction? No, I think he just one of them coaches that they like to uh, they like to, to to push push up and promote. That's never really done anything because I mean, year after year after year, he had Georgia winning their first four or five games, and they go on a tank at the end of the season every single year. See, like the whole time he's been there. So I don't. Who would you compare him to? If he had to pick an NFL coach, I mean, he had his record is 145 and 51. He's nine and five in bowl games, but he hasn't won. He's won two SEC championships, but he hadn't won one in ten years. Um, Who would you compare him to in the NFL if you had to? Well, he's not in the NFL now, but I probably would say Bill Parcells. Parcells, one of the most overrated guys ever been. You know. He come in and, and you know he make a little bit of noise and everybody say look at the tuna look at the tuna, but the tuna never wins and they ain't win the ones he's supposed to win. And then people turn around and say the tuna and talk about you know all the guys on his umbrella. Anybody in their right mind know Belichick's a better coach than Bill Parcells, no matter what they say. Now Holmes mm-hmm. and all the other guys you can question that, but. You know, I just think that 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 red is is overrated, and I mean, you could kind of throw Les Miles in there too, you know. And uh, at least know, he does have a a ring, something that Rick doesn't have. You know, and I don't want to, you know, go there on hardball, but hardball to me is 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 slightly overrated. You know what I mean? You had the best quarterback in the country, and you was up there in Clemson. And, yeah, of course y'all had a good record, but you ain't doing no more than what Brian Shaw doing right now. And he ain't got Andrew Luck. Now, like I say, Michigan won a few games where they tried to push Michigan all the way down to the championship game. I know Michigan <laughs> squad, but you tell me like it is. Yeah, did they run the uh, – Ohio State hit that bus on everybody said, Oh well, we gotta hold up. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I just feel like some coaches just get that get that push, you know. Like mm, I you coaches I don't know I don't know yeah, if you, I would compare him to Bill Parcells. I would I would compare him to Dan Reeves is who I would kinda you know, he's a good coach but, you know, just can't get over that hump. Or maybe even Marty Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer. That's what but, I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, you know, yeah, one of them two versus, you know, you know, because, hell, Marty Schottenheimer got fired when he was 14 and 2. And, I mean, he was shell-shocked after that. They were like, you were like, fuck it, I ain't coaching no more. I get fired being 14 and 2. I ain't going to have to coach no more. I mean, I thought he was a decent coach. But, you know. And the chart now, been every, really, really chart been They've been in the hole ever since. They ain't been right since. And that's it's sir they ass right, so they ain't no been to find them. But you know, it's just it's just one of those deals where, you know, if this is the way I look at it as far as him being hired by Miami. Miami has been in the in the cellar for a long time now. But sometimes, you know, if you you playing for, if you coaching for your alma mater, that kinda gets you geeked up. That kinda gets you psyched up because there is a 
standard in Miami. Miami is a team back when we were coming up that they were always mentioned in the championship hunt. So, and they ain't been mentioned. They didn't be mentioned in the top twenty-five, and I don't know when. So, with that being said, and this being his alma mater, you know he's gonna have. You know, there's gonna be a that's a big shoe to fill, and there's gonna be some. You know, that's that's a chip on your shoulder, whatever you want to call it. But you want to get them back to prominence. I mean, he's gonna be. He can't do what he did in Georgia. He's gonna have to go down there, and these boys gonna have to have nine, ten win seasons. Every season, because that's what they're looking for. They want to be in the hunt, and with him going to alma mater, that might be something that you know maybe he might coach better and get the right path of characters that are going to be coaching around him to make that team better. Because you know he's got to do his homework and see who's out there that you know really you know good offense, good defensive coordinators, good position coaches, you know running back coach, quarterback coach. Uh, Line, you know, line coach, those types of things. So those are kind of – he's going to have to get quality people because being a head coach is one thing, but you've got to get quality people around you. And if you ain't got that, you can be the best damn coach in the world, but if you ain't got the best position coaches, you ain't shit. So you got to really do some homework. See, I'm going I'm to tell you all what the scam is in all this. Uh-huh. He signed a guy up to a, to a five-year deal. Now they're in the basement. You'll win a couple of games, Bill Parcells style. And, you know, he'll go to, 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 to seven and five, maybe eight and four, then, you know, seven and five, then nine and three, then his contract is up. So now they sign him up again. Meanwhile, you never accomplish nothing. Now, if he go down there and do like uh, I can't think of what his name is now. The guy that's, that's coaching at Florida right now, come from Colorado State. You just, you turn them boys around. You got them out there playing. Now that's mm-hmm. something totally different. But for the most part, I just I just think that it's a big name hire. It's exciting, but I don't see the Miami Hurricanes having the the the, the, the recruiting and everything else to come back. Because they all the boys that they're playing ball now, they go on to Florida State or somewhere else or Florida, and Miami is third on a list in the in their very own state. So it's gonna be hard for them. Yeah, and you were talking about Jim McElwain, the Florida coach. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna see what happens to Mark Rick. I mean, uh, I didn't expect him to get this job. I really didn't. Uh, but it's it's a good spot for him. He's going to make a little money. He's back at his alma mater. You know, he played for them in the late 70s, early 80s, played quarterback. And uh, so we'll see what he does. But I think uh, he's going to get fired. You go to the U, you're going to get fired. You don't win no rings. And we all know Mark Rick doesn't win rings. So, (laughs) all right. uh, Now, uh, let's see. The Cowboys are starting to think about life after Tony Romo. Now, Romo's had three separated fractures in his left clavicle and two back surgeries, and he's going to be 36 years old at the start of the next season. Now, right now, the Cowboys are in a position to have a top-five draft pick for the first time since they picked Terrence Newman back in 2003. A lot of people think they should go ahead and consider um, young talent 
there. I don't see any quarterbacks in the top in the first round. I won't personally. But here comes the rumor machine. You know how it works with ESPN when it comes to Dallas. Now everyone's talking Johnny Manziel would be perfect to back up Romo in Dallas and possibly take over as the starter. Um, Johnny Manziel is a talent. The Cowboys have an offensive line that can protect him. But do we want to bring Johnny back to Texas, where the source of his problems have been, uh, to play for the Dallas Cowboys? Well, I look at it like this. If Cleveland is too stupid to, you know, actually make, you know, put him where he belongs and, you know, at, at starting quarterback, then, you know, ship him on off to Dallas. I mean, that's his home. I understand that, you know, I understand that, uh, you know, there may be some issues with him partying and things of that nature. But with him being set, you know, being, you know, continuously sat down up there in, in Cleveland, maybe it'd be, you know, him getting into an organization that would actually, you know, he's at home, he's playing in front of the hometown fans, you don't want to let them down. You know, this may be a good situation for him. Now, the only thing he would have to worry about is worry about in-house clowns like, you know, Dez Bryant and some of these other ones that like to go out and party and curse people out in front of the camera and all that kind of shit. You know, he'd be right at home with you know, them cast of thugs. Y'all got down there in Dallas. He'd be right at the house. And, you know, mm-hmm. at least he know he's going to get set down for going out and having a drink. If anything, he might get applauded and he'll be able to play play on Sunday. But all jokes aside, the, Johnny Manziel is a talent. And I said this yesterday. This is a man that has a similar similar style and stature as Drew Brees. Now, if you know when you got the, them kind of that kind of talent, I think you have to build around it. And you know maybe the coaching staff. Or I, you know, like I said yesterday, I don't know what they, you know, what Johnny has promised them, and that he's not following. Why he got dropped from first string all the way down to third string? I don't know if he said I won't go to the club and drink, I won't do this and won't do that. And since he is doing it, you know, they set him down. But in any event, this is a man that when he gets from the football field and he's got the the proper time, this man has produced. You know, you just can't go out there and hurl that ball for 372 yards against, you know, against good teams like he, you know, like he's been doing. I think because I'm not sure what the numbers are exactly, but I think in the couple of games that he started, he's averaging over 313 yards, you know, a game. So, with that being said, this is a guy that can produce. And if he goes down, you know, Cleveland don't want him, he go get picked up by Dallas because, he, you know, Jerry Jones has already stated that, he can, you know, he likes the guy whatnot. Let him come down there and maybe in a different situation, new, you know, even though it's in Texas, the new location, and he can learn from different cultures. And, you know, they have, you know, Jonathan Zell needs a mentor. He needs somebody like, um, um, I can see his face, can't call, it, call his name, the uh, former coach. He used to be the Buccaneers and uh, call Tony Dungy. Right. So he needs a mentor like Tony Dungy to step in and kind of help guide him a little bit and maybe, you know, get him, you know, get – that's who – he needs a positive uh, positive person that can kind of help him out and kind of get him out of that scene and work with him a little bit, you know, during the offseason. He doesn't necessarily need to go back to rehab. He just needs a different approach. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he stays in Cleveland, great. But if he doesn't and Cleveland's too stupid to keep him, 
like they too stupid to keep most of their players. You know, they'll they'll give up. You know, they give them up for a second round draft choice, and they'll pick another dud, and they'll be in the cellar for another season. But you know, if Pentine wants to keep it Pentine or whatever, however you pronounce his fucking name, if he decides if he wants to keep his job, the influx of quarterbacks gonna have to cease. And if he's smart, you better keep Manziel because Manziel, I think, if they kept him. And work with him again, you know, work with him during the offseason. I think this kid's got a potential of being great and being, you know, being one of the quarterbacks in that division that's going to be hard to deal with. All right. All right. Good stuff, everyone. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and break down our, our power top five. And um, I'll go ahead and go first, and then, Buck, I'll come to you. Uh, okay. Of course, I have Carolina. Right now is number one. Um, they're at eleven and zero. I have New England at number two, at ten and one. Um, I just swapped them out because of what happened over the weekend. My third team is probably going to surprise you because it's not Arizona and it's not Denver and it's not Cincinnati, who are all nine and two. My third team um, is going to be the eight and three Vikings. I think the Vikings are playing very good football right now. I like their defense and what they've been doing. I think Zimmerman has them playing tough. And they have a bunch of people who you really don't know. You may have heard of them if you're a football fan. If you're not a football fan, you have no idea who plays defense for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so I'm going to go with them at 8-3. and three. I'm going to put Denver at number four um, because I think Osweiler is playing very well. Um, and he's nine feet tall. And at number five, I'm going with Cincinnati over Arizona because Cincinnati right now, uh, seems like they're getting their running running game to come together a little bit, and Arizona just lost part of their running game this past Sunday. So I have Carolina, New England, Minnesota, um, Denver, and Cincinnati. And, Buck, I'll go with you with your power five. Power five, Def- definitely got to put the Panthers at number one. These guys are playing lights-out football. I mean, Cam Newton's the MVP, you know, having an MVP-type season. Um, he's getting it done. And their defense, you know, Luke, you know, they, these boys, their defense is outstanding. And right now, <laughs> with their strength of schedule, they may even run the table. But uh, mm. right now, that you know, Cam Newton is the man. Number two, uh, New England. New England is two. But they're shaky to it best because with all the injuries these guys got, you know, really and truthfully, they should be like three or four, <laughs> maybe even hmm. five. But but um, you know, you got to put them at second since they only got one loss. But I'm quite sure they'll be falling down a little bit more in these time rankings in the next few weeks unless they pick up somebody like Terrell Lawrence at 42 years old. All right, three. Got to go with Arizona here at three because I mean I know Minnesota's playing great, but you know Arizona, they, these boys are playing pretty good, even despite the injuries. And really, if you look at Carson Palmer's numbers, he's probably going to be the one to end up in being the MVP. I mean, he's averaging something stupid when it comes to yardage per game, and he, he's he's lobbing that ball downfield. I mean, he looks like you know, you know, he is a first round draft choice. So mm-hmm. you know, he's uh, Carson Palmer doing the damn thing. So. Got to put him. Got to put Carolina. I mean, uh, the Cardinals here in third. Um, fourth, 
This is where it gets a little tricky for me. I'm as far as fourth go, I'm gonna have to go with the Denver Broncos here. Um, I wasn't expecting Osweiler to play as well as he's playing, but to go, you know, to have New England come in and when they go in and, and just they they handled them boys really well. Uh, Denver has a good squad, not only on offense, but they also have a good one on defense as well. Um, they're gonna have to clean up some. They're gonna have to clean up some of these these injuries. I mean, not the injuries, some of these penalties that they're getting. Uh, you know, their their outside linebackers are just um, they're active, but they're active to a point to where they're getting you know 15 yard penalties, and I think they had two or three of them during the game. So. Um, some of that could have been officiating too, because some of them, a couple of them, look clean. But in any event, it needs to be, you know, they're they're a solid team. Now at, at five, I'm gonna have to go with the Vikings here. Um, Vikings are, you know, they're they're still playing strong, and you know, Adrian Peterson. I mean, he's like one of the, you know, he's one of the few, he's one of the few guys. He got a bunch of guys out there that's in their late thirties that are still doing it big. You know, and uh, Adrian Peterson, you know, he's had a little bit of time off, so he's still got fresh legs. This guy could probably bust. He might be able to break Eric, Eric Dixon's record on the pace that he's going with five games remaining because this, this is a guy that's capable of maybe running 300 yards a game, one game. So uh, I got to put the Vikings at, at five simply because I know Teddy Bridgewater doing it doing it good, but at the same time I'm doing it big to a certain extent. He's not doing enough, in my opinion, to warrant the Vikings to be any higher than five. Um, you know, there's still some questions got to be answered as far as Green Bay, Denver, Detroit, and Chicago. Uh, all those teams, teams like, you know, Green Bay is going through a little bit of a slump, but they're still, you know, Chicago's still streaking, and Detroit's still streaking as well. So we'll see how they go do down the stretch and maybe that'll warrant them to get up higher than five, but right now on my, on my power rankings, they won't be higher than five. All right. Well, that's interesting. And, uh, Ray? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, right now, I'm probably going to put the Patriots first, and then I'll put Carolina second. You know, because I think that uh, the Patriots are the champs. I think they lost a difficult game to one of the better teams in the league on the road. And I think if it come down to it, you know, I, we all hope that the Panthers do it. But, you know, but to be honest about the situation, we all trust Brady more than we do him right now. They what a heart telling us was 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 actually mm-hmm. right. so. I'm taking the Patriots first. I'm taking Carolina second. I'm going going to go with a third. It's a difficult choice, but I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. And then I will go with Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fifth. I probably would put um, the Denver Broncos. So okay. we're going with New England, Carolina, uh, Seattle, Arizona, and Denver. That's not bad. Not bad at all. All right. And so 
you know, with um, the playoffs are going to be here before we know it. Uh, I mean, right now the playoff picture is starting to shape up. If the playoffs did start today, New England and Cincinnati would have buys. Houston would be going on the road to play the um, um, Denver Broncos. And Kansas City would be going on the road to play the Indianapolis Colts. In the NFC, Carolina and Arizona would have bye weeks. Seattle would be on the road to play Minnesota, which is happening actually this weekend. And Green Bay would be on the road to play the Giants. I'm sorry, not the Giants, to play the Redskins, who have the tiebreaker over the Giants right now. So how crazy is that at Green Bay at 7-4 and had to travel to Maryland to play the five and six skins if the series ended today. Interesting. All right, got a few who am I? Let's see. I'm going to be smelling a little more popular than you. Uh, I am a six foot two, 223 quarterback that turns 32 years old today. Drafted in the first round in 2005 by the Green Bay Packers out of the University of California. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Charles Rodgers. Yep. All right. I'm going to blow the dust off of this one for you all. I am a 5'10", 194-pound wide receiver who turns 46 today. Drafted in the 1993 draft in the first round by the Miami Dolphins out of Penn State University. Uh, O.J. Anderson. I mean, O.J. Uh, O.J. Uh, what's that for? O.J. Uh, damn. Nah, O.O.O. O. 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 Yeah, Santiago. Nope. No, it's OJ. McDuffie. Uh, oh, it's OJ McDuffie. Yeah, that's it. OJ McDuffie. That's it. Boy, damn it. I'm guaranteed to get his name. Ray said, oh, oh, something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't call his last name, but y'all know I knew who he was. Yeah, I was surprised you picked him up so quick. So, I am a 6'2", 255-pound linebacker, drafted in the second round of the 2009 draft by the St. Louis Rams out of Ohio State University. Who am I? Uh, Laronitis. James Laronitis. Whew, man. Struggle with that one out. <laughs> oh, you uh, know what <laughs> Let me see if I can get a couple more. I'm gonna go a day or two in advance and see if I come across. Let y'all break the tie. It's two one buck right now. I give y'all two more. See if we can break the tie. Uh, nah, that was too easy. Uh, 
I am a six foot one, two hundred and twenty three pound quarterback who turns forty four years old today, drafted in the sixth round in nineteen ninety two by the New York Jets out of East Carolina. Oh, Chuck Lee. God dog, he knocked that down. Jeffrey Bertrand Coleman Blake. Oh, just two two baby. I actually like Jeff Blake too. I thought Jeff Blake was a high quarterback. So, all right, you got that one. Let me see what's gonna break the tiebreaker. Uh, let me find a good one. I'm gonna go all the way to December fifth. And wait, when's your birthday, Ray? December seventh. Six. Six. Let me go to December sixth. Let's see who shared the birthday with Ray and Eminem. If you go to the seven, you know who I know who that is. <laughs> uh, uh, you know regardless. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, I like this one. I am a six foot three, two hundred and twenty four pound running back, drafted in the second round. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, this is not who I thought it was. I'm going to give it to you anyway, but I'm about to give you some hints probably. I'm a six foot three, 224-pound running back drafted in the second round in 1981 by the New York Jets out of Minnesota. All right. Here's a, no. Here's a clue. My son... Is a five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty one pound. Now keep in mind, this guy's a senior. So when you guess his name of uh, the son, you're guessing the name of his of him too. My son is a five hundred, excuse me, five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty one pound running back, thirty two years old, drafted in the fourth round of two thousand five out of Minnesota by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, uh, uh, what's the boy name with the dreadlocks? Damn, I can't, uh, uh, damn, I can't call his name. Uh, tiebreaker. Oh, oh, man, what's his name? He used to run, run over people and everything. I forgot y'all paid him all that damn money. What's that boy name? <laughs> damn. <laughs> oh. Bucky can't figure him out. He gave you all these clues. All right. I can't figure uh, it out, man. I can't. Dr- I'm drawing. A I blank. can give you one more hint, but I know it's gonna give me give it away if I do. No, I, I know. I know his name. I just can't call it. Damn, man. Uh, oh, man, six man. years what in Dallas and finished his career in Chicago. Yeah, with the Chicago Bears. At, at twenty-eight football, years I, old. Oh man. Damn. I can't call the name though. I know him. All right, here's the clue. His nickname is The Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn, man. I can't call Marion, Marion, uh, Marion, uh, Marion Barber. That's his name. Marion Sylvester Barber. When I pulled up his dad, I thought it was him at first, and I started looking like, wait a minute, the Jets. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know his dad. Played in the NFL. So, 
and he has a brother named Dominique Barber, um, who played four years with the Houston Texans. So played defensive back. Okay. All so right. What was the uh, one he the one I said I thought was too easy was Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Yeah, I knew Cornell that one. Yeah, that was gonna be too easy. You wouldn't even got that out your mouth. I knew we got the same birthday. But uh, at least you can go you can go drinking with him. If you, all you would have said, you would have said <laughs> six, hey, six he's buying the drink. Six foot and Lord, right. Tell right, you need to get some top shelf. You hang with Johnny Manziel. Oh yeah, top shelf cigars and all. <laughs> Damn right, hoes too. Right, <laughs> might get to slap him. <laughs> Damn, be on film. All right, so I'm going through. I'm looking at the stats. Um, as far as uh, the leaders right now. And, uh, of course, you know, Tom Brady pretty much leads in everything. Only four interceptions. That's just ridiculous for someone to be that good. Um, Adrian Peterson is leading everyone in rushing. Does anyone want to take a guess at who's second in rushing? I never would have guessed this. Doug Martin. The dog on Pocket. What was his nickname? Pocket Hamster? Pocket, I don't remember. Yeah, that's some shit. Pocket this dude, and, and who? Guess who's in third? Chris Johnson. Nah, he's in fourth. Jonathan Stewart. He's been consistent. Yeah, Jonathan has, Stewart. That's right. I mean, when you look at these guys, you have all right. Aside from Adrian Peterson, you have Doug Martin, Jonathan Stewart, Chris Johnson, Ty Gurley, Chris Ivory, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, who's been hurt for two weeks, Mark Ingram, mm-hmm. and Thomas Rawls. I mean, listen to these yep. like guys outside the top ten, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Frank Gore, who undoubtedly is probably going to be in his last year, um, Matt Forte, who's been hurt. Uh, let's see who else. DeMarco Murray, way down here at 23rd. Eddie Lacy, uh, Melvin Gordon, who's been really disappointing. I mean, Melvin Gordon doesn't even have a touchdown this season. Hey, Carlos, mm-hmm. guys always like that. Man, it seems that way. He's, he's he seems like he's another Ron Dane. Um, Carlos Hyde, you know, down here at 29th. I mean, a lot of the he's names that you expected, you know, Marshawn Lynch has been hurt. A lot of the names you've been expecting um, to get something from, you're not getting anything from them this year, either for because of injuries or they're just having a disappointing season. So when you look Lots at receiving, yeah. When you look at receiving, (laughs) Julio Jones has 1,245 yards and already has 94 catches. He's already had a season, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. I'm surprised he only has six touchdowns. It's like he had more than that. Um, Then Antonio Brown has 1,192 yards, which he had most of that in one game, seemed like. But, um, I mean, you have four receivers already over 1,000 yards with DeAndre Hopkins, who is having a great season to me, man. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think he's looking at maybe his first all-pro at the rate he's going. And um, you have Odell Beckham, you know, with 1,005 yards. Larry Fitzgerald's about to get 1,000 yards for the first time in four years. Um, 
I don't know how long Gronkowski's going to be hurt. Anybody know how long he's going to be out? Nobody. Well, he, it, he, may, right. he may play this week, no? Okay. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't know if he was going to miss a game or not, but he's right at uh, 1,000 yards himself. About He needs about 69 more yards, him and Brandon Marshall. Which, you know, for Brandon Marshall, to me, you know, if you had to, like, pick the player this year, I think you got to mention Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick's had a pretty good year with the Jets. Uh, he has. It's been kind of surprising, but at the same time, he's been super consistent. And, I mean, he, he's throwing that rock. So, um, I'm actually surprised because I was looking, watching a little bit of that Jets game uh, last week and, uh, you know, looking at some of his numbers. And his numbers, are, he, he up there. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't and have that many picks either. I think uh, two of the biggest surprises for me, uh, or I'm going to say three, um, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns down there in Jacksonville. Both of them, Allen oh, Robinson yeah. is, That's the is the right there. Yeah. Right All right. They, they're, they're coming on strong. they got a nice little group. Um, Calvin Johnson only having 67 catches. It's surprising to me. Now, he still has 921 yards. He's having a good season, but it's not uh, what you would hope from him. Demarius Thomas had a horrible game Sunday, even though they won. Um, but he's having a decent season. Um, A.J. Green with 65 catches. That seems kind of low. He does have 909 yards. I mean, all of these guys will go well over 1,000. Um I wouldn't be surprised if you if we ended up with at least twenty five receivers over a thousand yards this year at the rate we're going, because you have fifteen right now to have eight hundred or more, and then if you yeah. add another, if you add another twelve, that's twenty seven with seven hundred or more, and we got how many games left? Five. Mm-hmm. So all they got yeah. to have is sixty yards a game, and you'll have twenty seven people over a thousand yards. Um, so that's uh, that's that's tripped out right there. Greg Olson, I think is uh, is leading all. No, he's leading all tight ends in the NFC with 53 catches and 788 yards and six touchdowns. But uh, who do you think has the most touchdown touchdowns um, receiving touchdowns in the NFL? Tyler right Eifert. Tyler Eifert out of Cincinnati. He only has 46 mm-hmm. catches, but 12 of them are for touchdowns. Yep. And so, and then you have a log jam at number two with Odell Beckham, Gronkowski, DeAndre Hopkins, and Brandon Marshall, who have nine. Um, Allen Robinson is up there with eight. So, really impressive with this guy. But let's move to sacks. Uh, something, a stat that I ain't really paid a lot of attention to this year. J.J. Uh, Watt is back in the league. And you know what? He kind of. You know, Houston kind of started the season off slow, but their defense has been playing really good over the last couple of games. And he's moved his way back up into the sack league, man. And, um, I mean, Ezekiel Ansar with Detroit, I had no idea was having the season he's having with 11 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles. He had three last week. So, but J.J. Yeah. Watt is averaging in the last four games in that, in that winning streak, he's averaging two sacks a game. And so, how many white got this year? Thirteen and a half. Well, actually, oh, so he kicked ass, literally. 
Yeah, so, he's the and, best I've ever seen. So you're talking about a guy who, I mean, he's isn't he the only person to go over 20 twice? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so, and right now he's on pace for probably about 16 sacks. Uh, yeah. Well, no, actually, no, 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 I'm wrong. I'm no, wrong. He's actually, he's on pace for 19, for by 18 or 19 oh. sacks. Uh, so he's going to be flirting with 20 again. He get a couple of good games against the wrong defensive tackle, and he's going to be right there. And this guy's just 26 years old. This guy probably has about another four years in his prime where he can easily, in four seasons, put up 70 to 75 more sacks, you know, and have yeah, 150 easy. sacks. Um, he can be in the top 10 by the time he's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has 70 and a half since he come in the league since so, 2011. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I mean, he started off his rookie year with five and a half, which is respectable for a rookie, and then he jumped straight to 20 and a half, then dropped to 10 and a half. That was a down year. Now, anytime you have 10 sacks and you come out a down year, you know you're pretty good. So, on the interception mm-hmm. side, um, let's see. Reggie Nelson of the Cincinnati Bengals has six. So he leads the league with six interceptions. And passes defense. Who do you think has – what DB has the most passes defense in the league right now? I'll say Josh Norman, maybe. Cam Castle. And uh, – hold on. I clicked on it and it did something else. What in the world – Taking me to a completely different screen. All right, it's not allowing me to sort right now. But at first glance, um, it looks like Stephon Gilmore of the Buffalo Bills has 21. Shit. Ronald Darby, Ronald Darby on the other side of him with the Buffalo Bills has 21. Hmm. Oh. So it looks like that's where we're going with the passes defense. But all right, fellas, I'll get ready to wrap things up. Um, does anybody have anything before I do? Yes, I do. Um, they, NASCAR finally uh, wrapped up their season. They're having their banquet out in Las Vegas. They used to do it in New York at the Waldorf Story all the time, but now they're kind of going around, going different places now. But um, they're doing their doing their thing, doing their awards banquet this week and honoring Jeff Gordon since this was his last season. Um, a little bit of news today, which was I it kind of caught me off guard since Nationwide was sponsoring Dale Jr. and they still are, but um, Exalta, which used to be named the Punt, is now moving over to Dale Jr.'s car and they unveiled yeah, a new pace scheme for him for thirteen races, and this is huge for Dale Jr. because. That's going to give him, you know, give him, you know, a little bit more. So it looks like Hendrick is trying to, you know, trying to see if Dale Jr. can go on a little bit of a run championship-wise since he's been making it in the chase the last few years. But as we all know, once you cross in the 40, that kind of closes your door when it comes to championships, especially now with the competition being as fierce as it is. So we'll see what he does with this exalted sponsorship 
and see if that doesn't help Junior maybe compel. At least he gets one or two. I never expected Junior to get more than two championships in the cup, but his window's closing too quick because you got Harvick and Kyle Busch who won the championship this year and others that are going to be going to be strong contenders for the championship on the, you know next year. But we'll see how that goes. But they, you know, Jeff Gordon finished his career with 93 wins, which I think makes him third or fourth all time and uh, four championships. Jeff Gordon is definitely one of the best, and he has to be considered one of the best, you know, with that many victories. No uh, doubt. Hats off, hats off to Jeff Gordon in, the, in an outstanding career. You know, there was, you know, I didn't like, you know, there was never really any competition when it came to, you know, him and Dale Sr. or whatnot. They were actually business partners, but it's good to see Jeff going out on top. You know, he, he, you know, at least he was running for the championship this year. It was good to see. He's going to be definitely greatly missed um, with him retiring. And Tony Stewart's going to be retiring next year, so we'll be talking about Tony Stewart on the next go around next year. But, um, you know, Jeff Gordon is definitely one of the best. All right. Appreciate that, man. And, Ray, you got anything? Um, we we really didn't discuss Kobe Bryant's retirement or oh, man, going out in the last year. That completely slipped my mind with uh Kobe uh seemed like Tiger's on his way out as far as his abilities. Peyton ain't can't throw no more. But uh yeah, Kobe man that to lose to the Sixers who had lost twenty eight straight game at the last season is just sad. And Right now, Kobe is just not able to to get it done. Now, I don't know Went exactly. Went off tonight, though. He did. He had thirty one points. I don't like what type of shooting. Uh, I'm not not sure. I was just watching ESPN and it flashed up. I don't know if he hit the game winner or something like that, but it it was a close game. But they say he scored thirty one. Okay. I read it, but I didn't see the highlights or nothing like that. Right. Well, I mean, right now he's not shooting well at all. Um, I mean, here are some of Kobe's games this year. Three for 15, five for 12, five for 13, one for 14, seven for 26. (laughs) Yeah, I know, man. It's just one for 14 is just horrible. <laughs> That's fucking retarded. <laughs> this guy is shooting 30% from the field this year and 20% from the three-point line. All right. For some reason, Kobe has already taken 106 three-pointers. That's the sign of a man who just don't want to drive to the hoop no more. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great Right. He he took – this is someone who, you know, in 82 games, uh, the last time he played 82 games, rather, was 2010. He took 356 three-pointers that year in 82 games, and you've already taken 106 in 14 games. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he like – Kobe's like, man, I'm tired. I just – so – he he looks bad. Last year he shot 37%, and I thought that was probably the worst he was going to get. And he's really eclipsed that, you know. Um, 
his his rebounding and his assist, I mean, you know, they're about the same. So it's not like he's really making it up somewhere else. He's just not that good of a player right now. He really isn't. And he lost he a lot of time. He lost a lot of time playing only six games in 2013 and then 35 games in 2014. So he's lost, like, you know, the equivalent of, uh, of a of a, a season and a half, I guess. And um, so he's going to miss my opportunity as far as statistics. But right now, Kobe Bryant is not a good basketball player. What are you going to yeah. say about Painfully obvious. It's it's painfully obvious that he, you know, he's he definitely a shadow of his former former self. Um, but one thing I can say, you know, hopefully this year, you know, Kobe Bryant's one of the best of all time, and it would be good to see him, you know, maybe drive up the Memphis and catch him playing the Grizzlies or something like that. You catch a glimpse of him playing. Um, I'm quite sure there's going to be some games throughout the season where he's going to do like he did last night, even though they lost. Um, scored 31 points or 35 or 38 or 41 or something like that, or maybe 25 or 28. I'm quite sure there's going to be, you know, some of that going on. But, you know, Cumber Bryant definitely one of the best players of all time. It's, it's sad to see him, you know, play like, you know, play on a team that just, just doesn't have it. You know, they, they don't, don't have a good supporting cast. You know, they, you know they're, re- they're well, really reaching when you happen to get World, middle world piece or somebody like that. I mean, but part of the part of the issue, and this is just my personal opinion, is that the reason the team I think is not that good is because they're still centering the offense around someone who's shooting thirty percent. And yeah. if you if you're centering the offense around Kobe, and that's what he's giving you, you are going to be a bad team. It's like the Lakers really don't have any type of. It's like they didn't have any type of backup plan. It's like they thought Kobe was going to come back to being 26 points a game Kobe, and he doesn't have it in him anymore. Well, yeah. you know, another thing, too, he's been playing since high school. And I mean, oh, yeah, he's tired. About, he's tired. You got to think about it like this. Kobe did not get any injuries. He was one of these rare breed guys that just didn't get it. He didn't get any injuries until late in his career. I mean, you have, you know, you've been playing basketball, ladies. He, you know, as long as he's been playing, and you just now getting the injuries, your body just, your your body just don't heal as quick. I mean, and now, you know, with him going through what he's going through right now, it's just, uh, you know, it's really kind of sad. I mean, the the Lakers, really, you know, they paying him so much damn money, they just did not prepare for him getting injured because he he has. He was so durable for so many years. I mean, Kobe was rarely out of a basketball game. This boy has damn near played his entire career injury-free up until here recently. So, with that being said, your body, his body just, just won't slap the fuck out. I tell you somebody else who's tired, too, but he's still uh, productive, and that's Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, now yeah, he's yeah. still getting you. Getting you ten points and uh, and nine rebounds, you know, which is good for all time. Yeah, which is good for a man that's that's thirty nine years old and and everything. He's still shooting fifty two percent from the field, but uh, you can see it on him too, man. He's going to be sitting out a lot of regular season games. I would be surprised if he only played like in, in seventy games this year. 
But the thing is, look how long David Robinson played, and that's who he learned from. And with that being said, I mean, David Robinson played too, like 472 years old. So you can, yeah, he was still you know, in good Tim shape, Duncan. though. Tim Duncan. off a long time before he quit, though. I mean, he was David Robinson was the man, but when Tim Duncan got there, he was he was over with. You know, he yeah, went he from twelve point guy down to twelve points and all that. I mean, and he was he was starting. See, Duncan a score. 13 points, 9 rebounds, or something like that, but he's only playing 20-something minutes. If he plays his normal 38 minutes, he can you that 22 and 15 like he used to. He just can't do it every night. Yeah. And I find in the league, like, Kobe Bryant is the only guard to play 20 seasons. Did you guys know that? No, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I, I thought Stockton or somebody did, but they no. Kobe Bryant only guard to play twenty seasons. That's so, a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, and with the Olympics and every all these playoff games and stuff like yeah. that, his parts just wore out. But yeah. he, I knew it was over for Kobe. Kobe's motivation was passing Jordan and scoring. Once he passed Jordan and scoring, he can say what he want out of his mouth. But when you Got an MVP, five championships, and you played all the years. All the motivation really is gone when you're playing them for a bad team. And ever since he passed him in scoring, his motivation has not been there. Last year, he came out with a vengeance, leading the league in scoring and everything until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Or close to the time when he got hurt. I mean, he went down to 22 points a game, but he was up around 27 for a while during the season. But once he passed Jordan and scored, everything went down. But, you know, he's had a remarkable career. Yeah. And, you two, know. Two scoring titles, three seasons, finishing 30 points or higher a game. Um, yeah, five rings. <laughs> and, I mean, his career is nothing to sneeze at for real. But uh, I'm glad he didn't try to come back one more year because, I mean, I, he might have got cut. <laughs> he might have gone to Jerry Rice <laughs> route and got cut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. See, some guys that are legends, man, they don't know when to let go. And Peyton Manning is, is going to be one of those guys. And he's going to be out there to either get cut or he gets himself hurt out there. And he's a classy guy. I just don't like the way he do things on the field. As far as yeah. choking, as far as coming out of the shotgun, as far as not training the guys that are your backup quarterbacks to know the same offense that you know and all that kind of stuff. That's what I disagree when it comes to Manning. As far as him being a good guy and all this other kind of stuff, yeah, he is that. But he needs to call it quits whether it's in the, the middle of the season or not. You know, you got the record. You don't have any more. You know, that young kid, Oswalder, is going to be the guy. And, you know, that would be bad. They get to the Super Bowl and they don't play Manny. You know, you get a ring piggybacking off somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
It's uh, who do you think is gonna lose first, Golden State or Carolina, in football? Uh, Keep in mind, Golden State probably plays State. three times a week. Golden State. And right now, with the strength of schedule, with the strength of schedule that Carolina has, I don't see them losing. They, I, I actually, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see them run the table. And that, I they, think they Tampa Bay gonna knock them off. I mean, see, see, I always believe it's good for you to lose a game because football is the most difficult sport in the world, and it's hard for you to stay consistent for that long. And if you date back to last season, them guys won what sixteen, seventeen in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won they won a lot of football games, and it's hard to stay consistent. And like I yeah. said, once you get once you get somewhere. And you ain't never been there before, and you meet one of these teams. It's gonna be hard for them to to win it. See, right now they they look like hands down the best team. But you see that Russell Wilson that you saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and all them guys rounding around the Doug ball and all them catching balls out of this world and stuff, playing out of their body. That's what Seattle is good at. And yeah. I don't know if Carolina can overcome that. We will see when they meet up on the field. But, you know, Cam dancing and everything now, which he is playing good ball. You can't take nothing away from him. But you ain't won nothing yet. And you got to keep it going. So they need to lose at least one game to me to to get a wake up. New England tried to run a table, too, and got the – I ain't gonna say he got the brakes beat off of him, but I ain't seen Tom Brady get beat like that sack wise in a game ever. Mm-hmm. What in the world? Okay. All right, fellas. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, and hopefully, y'all can join tomorrow and talk to Tony Weeks. Um, that's gonna be an okay. hour early at nine p.m. Eastern. I'll probably get him on. Try to keep him on about 20 or 30 minutes and uh, ask him, you know, what does a guy his size do with guys like Tyson Fury and Vitaly Klitschko swinging over his head? So <laughs> we'll get into that tomorrow. But I uh, appreciate you all taking the time, everyone. You've been listening to the Talk to Q radio show. No experts, just opinions. Go to talktoq.com for more information. Everyone have a good night. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? Well, let me thank you for having me on your show. It's so awesome to be here with you and all your listeners. I bring thunder and light in every single time.